I'm sorry, but I do ache. I've, I think I've got a bit of old. You've caught old. I think <laughs> I think I may have got it off you. I had it last week. You did? It's catching. There's a lot of it about. You don't think there's another pandemic brewing of old, do you? Well, if there is, I know where the epicentre is. It's in most of the churches I go into. <laughs> Welcome to episode 251 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page. And there, look, I, doing intros is hard enough. Yeah. But when you're wearing just a sort of singlet vest thing... I apologise. It's, uh, it's very, very upsetting. Look, I've been decorating. I don't want to talk about it, but it was hot. So the okay. singlet vest is on. I apologise. Well, anyway, there's Joe Davis um, trying to look sporty. <laughs> I can't get away with that anymore, I don't think. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so do we have any um, church notices? Not really. I mean, again, Chris Scott's going to be here on the 7th of October. Um, so uh, that's when I say here, I mean in Worthing. Uh, and we're doing an event together and there's details on our website. So if anyone wants to come along, it'd be fabulous to see you there. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and in that case, let me ask you about the decorating and how you are. <laughs> so this is, look, this is the stupid thing. Um, three weekends are quite a rare thing in this house. And I deliberately thought in August, when the roads are terrible and manic, we'll just keep it nice and clear. Mm. So... Suddenly, two weekends free. And do you know what I do? I think, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. I'll decorate. So instead of going out and enjoying the glorious British weather, not, um, we decided to decorate the hall. And you know what a hall's like. It's on sort of three levels. And it's, oh. Yes. So I've been decorating. And my body isn't used to decorating. And it doesn't want to get used to decorating, frankly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there we are. I'm a fool, but the decorating's getting done. But, but decorating's not that hard. Is it your body's not used to actual manual work? Is that actually what, we've, what we're saying here? No, it's the stretching and, and, you know, different positions to normal. No, you're doing yoga, yoga decorating. Cutting in along the skirting board up the stairs oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, you know that, what that's All like. that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I know what that's like. Boy, do I know what that's like. Rachel and I play play games every Sunday. This is going to sound dodgy now. We play games on the floor, board games. I mean, that's <laughs> and uh, stop it. And uh, it's getting harder to get up from those. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you're definitely catching old. I yes, I, I've got a bit of uh, yeah. But um, yeah, things are right. But, I've, but while I've been while I've been decorating, you know, I like to get the old tunes on. And I was listening to a bit of beloved listener. John or Wilderthorn, um, in readiness for going to see him at Chanctonbury in a barn. What's Chanctonbury? Chanctonbury Ring is a, was like an ancient ring of oaks. Well, at least it oh, was okay. until 1987. There are definitely a lot less oaks there after the hurricane. But uh, oh, it's yeah. a beautiful place nestled in the South Downs. And uh, Wilderthorn, he's, he's a fascinating musician. He just he mm. makes really atmospheric stuff. And uh, it's beautiful. And but also he's sort of 
it's it's music and nature kind of together. He plays in like these quite um, beautiful spots and, you know, places where you don't normally do a gig. Right. And it's very atmospheric, quite haunting a lot of his music. Really good, some quite interesting influences. He's got a lovely track called Home, uh, which reminds me of sort of uh, later Johnny Cash type vibe to it. It's beautiful. Mm. It reminded me of that quote. And I can never remember whether it's Fred Buchner or um, Ram Dass, but it's one of those people who, and he says, you know, we're all just walking each other home. Mm. And this beautiful track called Home. Uh, it's really good. Anyway, hey, if you're down in the south or you want to travel down on, um, what is it, Saturday the 19th, he's doing a gig and it's at Chanctonbury Ring. Come along, everybody. It was Ram Das who said that, yeah. And also, interesting, fun fact, uh, Frederick Buchner is actually pronounced Beekner, I think. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, you said that before. I can never remember that. It's weird, isn't it? It's not right. Uh, Dr. Seuss... Yeah. It's pronounced Soyce, or should be. No, it isn't. That's what he always said. Soyce. Oh, yeah. play. And Joe Davis is pronounced... <laughs> I knew that was coming. You're not even funny. You're really <laughs> so, so predictable. <laughs> and so rude, listeners. Look at the abuse I have to put up with. <laughs> Anyway, listen, I'm glad I'm interviewing you first this week because it's going to be tricky to articulate what I believe, but more of that later. Never mind. Let's get, let's get to you, Nick. What's, what's happening in your world? OK, well, don't give me your decorating the hall nonsense because we've got scaffolding up uh, around our house and I'm going to be decorating the outside of the house. Are you? So, uh, yeah, that's uh, several stories up. Um, I don't do well with heights, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I might not be doing so much decorating as clinging on whimpering. I don't know. It's, let's see what, see how it turns out, shall we? I'm quite impressed you're doing it, though. Fair play. Fair play for a man of your age. Yes, yes indeed. Well, to be fair, we had, to, we had to get the scaffolding up because of the roof. So, you know, I thought we might as well get up there and do some painting. Uh, oh, the weather. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, talking of the scaffolding, the guys were putting it up on Saturday in the absolute driving rain. Yeah. Just awful. I mean, it's been ridiculously cold. Last night, Claire was in her Christmas onesie. It was that cold. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a lovely image. Yeah, it is. It's very attractive in many ways. But anyway, uh, so that's been... A bit, I'm glad there's a bit of sun today. Uh, I shouldn't moan, should I? Because so many no. people have been suffering around the world with heat. So, you know. Yes. Anyway... Have you been watching the uh, World Cup? I have. The last game was a bit torturous, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I've been enjoying it uh, immensely, but it's getting worryingly familiar now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, England suddenly not playing so well and sort of scraping through against... You know, that's... it's. Yes. I don't know. Although a key difference, not losing on penalties. I'd like to point that out, so... Yeah, that's the thing. That is one of the things that I, I hope they don't t learn too much, you see, from the men's game where, <laughs> yeah. you know, getting knocked out in group stages or losing on penalties, that kind of thing. I don't, anyway, I've been enjoying that. It's good. Or being sent off for stupid reasons. That's something they could do with not learning. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. We should yeah. move on. <laughs> we, will, we will move on. Let's have some feedback, shall we? Oh, yeah. Well, firstly, thanks to everyone who did write in and said they've listened to 100 
all of 250 episodes and a few nice comments on our Facebook page. Thank you, everyone. Lovely. Uh, okay, so David wrote in uh, with an email entitled York Minster and Emotional Frisson. Um, <laughs> So uh, he said, visiting friends in York last week, we planned to attend St. Michael Le Belfry, a well-known charismatic Anglican church. But on arriving for the 11 a.m. service, we found it had been moved to a p.m. slot for August. So disappointed but undeterred, we decided to go to the 11 p.m. service next door at York Minster. I think he means 11 a.m. Uh, as the service started, I quickly determined that attending this high Anglican service was going to be a bad idea as it contained all the things I don't care for. It was to be a sung Eucharist, which I've always found rather strained. The choir and multiple clergy began by processing around the church with swinging incense. Traditional hymns accompanied by a booming organ. This was not my sort of spiritual experience. But from the moment of the first hymn, I felt the presence of the Spirit. The choir was literally divine. The lady priest leading the sung Eucharist could actually sing and did so with remarkable beauty. It was very uplifting. I now understand the power of a sung Eucharist. To my surprise, I was also impacted as the clergy processed the Bible for the word to be read at the centre of the church. I've experienced this before, but this time it felt very symbolic. The words of the hymns felt meaningful and the liturgy was thoughtful and emotionally positive, positively provocative. I had all my ideas of what makes for a good service, spiritual experience, turned upside down. Somehow, even though I had set my heart not to participate, God broke in and gave me a rich and deep experience of the Trinity. It was so unexpected. Is it possible that the prayers prayed in that place for the last 1400 years can bring an emotional frisson and deep spiritual impact? And that's from David. So what about that? It, it's a bit like the sort of dissonance thing that we had last week, that sometimes you should, you know, disrupt your own worship style as it were do something unexpected yeah and allow god to break in i have to say i really empathize with this because it's exactly my experience absolutely my experience there's several points in my life um you know recently where we've moved to the the, the parish church down in the town is very very high you know i mean it's it's it, it has one of those sort of bells ringing at when God's in the house. As oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. the king with the flag at Buckingham yeah, Palace. He announces, yeah, yeah. he announces his arrival as a bell ring. And there's lots of incense all over the place, choir yeah. and everything. I love it. Love it. Because mm. it's, you know, it's it's different, but also maybe you're just at a point in your life where that thing starts to sort of resonate a whole lot more. What about that thing about the prayers prayed in that place for the last 1,400 years? I mean, I know that's something you said before, that somehow... There's a sense that you can't quite articulate, but it it senses that's that's a place of prayer. Well, it, there's a line in Eliot's uh, poem, Little Gidding, where he talks about here where prayer has been made valid, where you know it's, it's almost been laid down like a like a patina, like a mm. you know it's, it's it's sort of settled in the place. I felt I felt that really strongly. I remember, I think it was 2012. I went to Patmos for for some time to write a book. And um, went to the cave of the of the apocalypse. So this was oh. the the cave the cave where yeah. John had his vision. You see, obs yeah. the cave of the apocalypse. Yes, this sounds yes. like a kind of He Man slash Power Rangers episode. It, it, it does sound a bit sci-fi, <laughs> doesn't it? A bit of fantasy, but uh, the cave of the apocalypse. No, and I mean, obviously, it's not. You know, we can yeah. accept it's not yeah. where he had the vision. It was only identified a thousand. 
AD or something, you know. But nevertheless, for a thousand years, prayer has been prayed there. Yeah. And and so it, I found myself sitting there thinking I'd been sitting there for about 20, 20 minutes and I'd sat there for like two hours. And it was just a really weird, powerful experience of somehow places being holy in and of themselves you know and i I think that's really true i i genuinely think that actually the prayers and the worship seep into the stones of these places no there you go there you go i mean is it what the celts called thin places i don't know or did the Celts not call it thin places? Because I know you start twitching when we never mention (laughs) celtic spirituality the play the Celts did not call it thin places i in fact have found where that comes from but um of course uh yeah uh, but I think it's a good phrase, and I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, look, I like that I've got a friend who can just quote Eliot poems off Pat, because in a strange way, it makes me feel intelligent having an intelligent <laughs> friend. And so it's good yeah, I for can't, me. I can't Thank remember you. the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't, you don't have to admit that. I, you see, in my mind, okay. you can just you know recall poems willy-nilly. Wonderful. I know a few limericks, but they're not the same thing. (laughs) I know a few limericks. (laughs) (laughs) I dumb you down. Anyway, listen, uh, Kathy wrote in. Wonderful. And she said uh, many nice things. She said, Nick suggested church flower arranging as a topic for a future podcast. Past me would mock it like mad and present me says anything that brings a bit of beauty to church. She says, I was rather entertained when you then went on to mention with your tongues firmly in your cheeks all sorts of other similar topics, including bell ringing. And she said, I have a friend who has just taken up bell ringing in her local church, although it's got to be said, not the church where she worships on a Sunday. In a particularly beautiful valley in Cumbria, she rings for weddings, but she also goes to the church to practice during the week and is loving it. She uses it as a type of prayer tool. She rings out the love of God and the glory of God over the valley and over the village. And then she says again, past me would mock it like mad. And present me says anything that brings a bit of beauty to the church. That's lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's great. Yeah, that's it's a good attitude with which to do your thing. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's 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 interesting, isn't it? It's, it, it's indicative. I think so many things just get dismissed, mainly because we don't actually seek to understand yeah. what is going on. Or perhaps even the people themselves are not encouraged you know, to do that. So it becomes like a thing you do. You just do the bell ring or you do the flower arranging. Whereas if we could encourage people to see it as something intentional, a way of worship, a perfectly valid way of worship, uh, and encourage other people to, to, to look and to listen out for it in that way, I think that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you shouldn't mock. You shouldn't mock anything, really. I suppose that is helpful to others now, and things that used to be helpful to you, like going to church and singing choruses and you know Graham Kendrick songs or Matt Redman songs or whatever. You know that if you find that helpful, that's great. I mean, we sometimes give them a mildly bad time, don't we? But you know, if it's if it's helpful, if it connects you, keep doing it. Okay, Peter said, "Dear Jick and No," yeah, he did. He said, I had a very powerful recent experience, went to see the Chester mystery plays in the cathedral. For one thing, these give a wonderful insight into the theological thinking of the 14th century when they were written. And the modern version is based on those original scripts. But a modern development here was that the figure of God or creator was played by a man and a woman simultaneously. In other words, two figures on the stage portraying God together. As one who does also struggle with the patriarchal repressive system, I found this refreshing, insightful and deeply meaningful. 
That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, lovely. Great. Yeah, I, yeah. I like that, Peter. Very interesting. Yeah. Good. Okay, and Ian wrote in, he says, Dear Joe Nick, there was an interesting discussion during episode 250, and then he rather put sarcastically, ta-da, in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a reference to my... My rather wonderful fanfare. It could be. Let's say it is. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's an interesting discussion as to whether God intervenes and controls activities on Earth, whether God sits back and simply watches, presumably then often being either bemused or horrified by what God sees going on on Earth. It says, by coincidence, I just happened to be reading 1 Corinthians after that discussion. I think 1 Corinthians 3, 69 sheds some light on that discussion, at least for me. And he said, Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So he said, I like the balance there. It seems to be saying that there is a collaboration, a word that was also used in episode 250, between God and us. God is not distant. God works in us, but also through us. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore involves our active participation, but we are not alone. And then he says, keep up the good work and cheerful banter. Cheers, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, insight into that that verse. I I like that. Um, We are God's fellow workers. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. well, shall we uh, shall we move on to something we we flagged last week that we might do? And here we are actually doing it, which we said we we should probably talk about, you know, why we still follow Jesus or why we still call ourselves Christians if we do still call ourselves Christian. And um and, and, and do you know what we actually believe now and whether it's the same as what we believed, you know, when we started the podcast and certainly, you know, 10 years ago or not. So we're going to do that. And um, I think we're going to we're starting with you, I'm glad to say. So this is <laughs> this is why I interview my guest this week. Listeners, this is Mr. Nick Page. Hello. Hello there. <laughs> nice to meet you <laughs> it's lovely to be with you thanks for being on the mid-faith crisis podcast nick oh is that what it is uh, <laughs> i wondered <laughs> so what what do you call yourself nick page uh let's start there christian follower or absolute i'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry that was childish i apologize no no well it's just it's just uh, returning the favor from earlier um <laughs> I call myself a Christian. Yeah, I think I still do. I, I, I understand all the the baggage, in a sense, that comes with that. And this is a problem of, uh, of you know, uh, the best part of 2000 years of people calling themselves Christians and not behaving very Christianly. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not sure actually changing the name really sort of works from that point of view. I know plenty of people call themselves a follower of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Which I would also be perfectly happy with. It's just a lot more syllables. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> okay, well, look, what, why don't you tell us a bit about your story? I mean, how how did it all kick off for you, the whole being a Christian oh, thing? Okay. Did you just grow up with it or did you come to it or what? What's the deal? Yeah, no, I, I, I grew up in a, in a church family and went to church, you know, from... Mm. From birth, I suppose, from pre-birth, but um, mm. uh, and so church was always a part of my life in that sense. Um, 
when I was in my teen years, however, I sort of really uh, drifted away and decided I didn't want anything to do with it. Ah, did you? Funnily enough, that was after I, was, I got baptised. But I feel looking back, I sort of got baptised as a sort of, that's what you did kind of yeah. thing. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh on my teenage self. But anyway, certainly after that, I discovered a whole load of other interesting occupations and, um, and sort of, uh, yeah, drifted away. And then what happened actually was that my my father walked out on us. He he sort of left home and um, uh, never really spoke to my mother again. And it was very hard. I was a sort of eighteen year old lad. Um, you're not really emotionally prepared at the age of eighteen, especially if you're a bloke, to to deal with that level of distress and grief. Mm. And you know it's, it's not mm. very easy. Yeah, sure. So I started to go back to church to help to just go with mum. She wanted someone to go with, and you know, and that was it. And and it was actually the 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 care and the love, and the way people looked after her, and that really had an impact on me. And I went away to university um, mm. a little way after that. And while I was away at university, I read uh, Luke's gospel, mm. and it was really interesting because because for the first time, this figure of Jesus sort of leapt out to me. Mm. You know, I knew all about the figure of Jesus, but for me, Jesus was this sort of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who wandered around Galilee with a lamb over his shoulders for reasons that I'm not quite sure about. Uh, <laughs> perhaps he was cold. I don't know. I never really understood it. Um, and, and and yet the figure that leapt out from the Gospels was was vigorous and passionate and challenging and totally sort of different than I'd expected. And I thought, this is, this is someone... Um, important this is someone i could follow and so mm. you put those two things together the demonstration of christ likeness in the church and and the figure of jesus and and so that's why i decided to follow him yeah okay so so then obviously i mean we won't rehearse mid-faith crises and things like that. i mean we, we no. talk about the journey of faith so much here but i wonder if we sort of bring it bring the story forward a bit and thanks for that, because there's stuff there I didn't know about. That was really interesting. Mm. But um, what what would you say, what does the word God mean for you? And this is an interesting question for me. So I hope you don't mind me throwing it at you. But what does, if someone says God to you, mm. you know, tell me, tell me who or what God is. What, what would that mean for you now, do you think? Oh, this is a really interesting question. You're right. It's quite difficult in a way I, yeah. I for me i think it actually still comes back to christ i think it comes back to that phrase god is christ-like and in him there is no unchrist likeness at all that was uh, a phrase uh, michael ramsey the archbishop of canterbury came up with and the christ-like god is i think absolutely crucial to get hold of because most of us compartmentalise God into two bits. We sort yeah. of think God is like, it's like nice cop, nasty cop, isn't it? Basically, God is all smitey and Jesus yeah. is, is sort of holding him back the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. yeah. God just constantly wants to raise the smiting arm and Jesus is sort of pushing it down on the table and saying, no, we've talked about this. No smiting. Yeah. And uh, when I came across that phrase, that kind of revolutionised my mm. my image, or made me actually sort of comfortable, if if you like, with the image of God. So so there's that aspect to it that that what I understand God to be is uh, compassionate, merciful, loving, mm. 
uh, angry at times. Yeah, sure. Mm. But just and fair. Um, so that's qualities, if you like, of God. Who, what do I imagine God to be? I think creator is the whole thing. I think actually, you know, mm. the, the 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 prime mover, the the original force behind everything. Yeah. And the the fact I still haven't got over the fact that when you look out at everything, I can't believe that that everything that we look out at and that is beautiful was not created mm. yeah. by a being. Not least the concept of beauty. Mm. Yeah. Because if it just evolved, where does that come from? Where does all that spiritual side come from? So for me, it's it's really about ground of being and the, the, the sort of enveloping love of of uh, the universe, really. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's a good description. Well done. I might steal that next week. Thanks. <laughs> but um... <laughs> Which is not to say the universe doesn't have some really bad things in it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not quite like that. But uh, but uh, I think that's, broadly world speaking, the creator. Creator God seems to be really important nowadays. And we, we've had this email discussion about, you know, whether God whether God is involved now or whether God has sort of done all God's involvement and will now sit back and just sort of watch on as we figure it out. How, how do you understand kind of, I, I guess god's involvement in the world now and in your life i guess well i think that's been one of the real big changes for me over the past say 10 years um mm. really that to jettison the, the language of a sort of the micromanaging god mm. that we used to have i do think so many problems in christianity are to do with the the way we talk about god early on in, mm. in our faith or the way we are talked to about god because because it just creates problems later on. So you create this idea of a God who is, as I say, micromanaging the universe, who's going to intervene and all doing all this and that and the other. And then over the years go by, you realise, well, you didn't really do much of that, or at least not in ways that, that he's, he's supposed to do it. Yeah, exactly. So I believe entirely in an interventionist God. I just don't think he intervenes in the way that we're told. Right. I think... He in, he intervenes through collaboration, right? Good. So that's back to the we are the body of Christ. Yeah, which is not to say that I haven't seen genuine miracles. I believe, and I haven't seen inexplicable events. Um, I have seen those, but hardly ever. You know, not mm. very often. Mm. And and so, you know, what are we doing when we're praying for God to intervene? I think we're. We're, we're firstly registering our concern, our compassion with what's going on. Yeah. If I pray for the poor uh, people in North Korea, particularly the Christians, I'm registering my concern for them. I'm yeah. seeing them. I'm yeah. witnessing what is happening to their plight. And so I'm doing that. I'm also saying to myself, what more could I be doing yeah. to help them? How could I be doing stuff? And sure, I'm asking God, it wouldn't, you know, a miracle would not... Come amiss here. Wouldn't hurt here. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, you know? exactly. Yeah. So I carry on praying for that, but I, I think I understand that as a different way. And I think that's what that previous email said, uh, collaboration. God works through yeah. his his people, whether that's because he, he chooses to, whether it's the only way he can. I don't, I don't really know what the reasons are behind that, but yeah. I think that's the way it works. Yeah. And, and you've, you've sort of started answering another question I wanted to ask you about. What is your role as a as a Christian? Uh, as, which you're identifying as um 
what, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? I think you've probably already started answering that. Is there anything else you want to sort of add into that? What does it mean to be a Christian for you now? Well, it, it means to be to, to try to be Christ-like, to try mm. to be his representative, God's representative. Mm. I've quoted this a lot, but there's a wonderful Rowan Williams phrase, which is, you know, God has given us responsibility for his reputation. Um, you know, it, it, we are... Mm the only Christ, the only God that people will see. We are the only Bible that they'll read. We are their encounter with the church. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that that's the collaboration. Now, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Spirit comes in to enable us, uh, sometimes I think in, in, in remarkable ways, not myself personally, but in other people, mm. To, mm. to be Christ-like in situations that would otherwise, you know, be, your behaviour would be very different. So... So I think that's what your tar task is, what my task is, is to point people towards a different reality, towards fullness of life, towards a different way of living. Um, and that is discipleship, that's Christ-likeness, I think. Mm, wonderful. Now, I should have properly checked this with you before, but I'm rather hoping you've reread your gospel mm. message. Now, so for those who, who haven't been listening to the podcast, a couple of uh, years ago now, maybe a bit more, we sort of both set ourselves the challenge of writing out what we understand to be the gospel, you know, this side of our mid-faith crisis. And we posted them up and people commented on them and all the rest of it. And on the whole, people's were good. And I think it was universally appreciated that you're a better writer than me. <laughs> you keep saying this is, this is well, not fair or true. No, no I, I mean, not to compare, but I do, I do absolutely love your words here. So why don't you now read the gospel mm. and, then, and then let's comment and see whether, anything, whether you change anything now. Okay, so this is what I wrote. Um, there is a God and God is good and God loves you. Because God is good and because God loves you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to suffer alone. You don't have to worry about riches or status or pretending to be someone you're not. You don't have to feel insignificant, unnoticed or unloved. You don't have to be trapped in guilt or shame. You don't have to be scared of death because death is not the end. You don't have to walk through this world alone. The world is beautiful and the world is terrible. No one knows why, but we do know that it's not as God wants it and that we can change it a little by changing ourselves. That's why God invites us to a different life, a life of freedom, kindness, hope, courage, honesty and forgiveness. We can live this life by copying Jesus, who shows us what God is like, and by asking God's Spirit to work with us, because we can't do it on our own. So here's the thing. You are not your wounds. You are not your fears or your failures. You are not your possessions or your career. You are not what has been done to you or what you have done to others. You are not what others say about you or even what you say about yourself. You are a child of God, a God who is good and a God who loves you. I'm just leaving a bit of quiet because I love it. <laughs> also, I want to invite listeners to just touch their screens and send a donation to the Midway Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> That, but seriously, that is absolutely beautiful. So now you're reading that, mm. you know. Tell tell me what what you feel as you as you're reading that, and also tell me if the, if you would change anything. Well, I think to some extent it's a reflection, obviously, of where I was 
you know, what we believe good news to be is pertinent to our own situations and, and what mm. what good news we need, in a sense, you know. So uh, I think it has a, a strong elements of that, really, that, that, you know, I was trying to work through a few things the way that I thought about myself or the way that, that I was encountering the world. Um, and I and I wanted to start it always because there is a God, because I think you have to go back to first principles. You know, yeah, if you're no, talking to somebody, you have to go back mm. to, the, to to a statement. It's always going to be a statement. It's never going to prove it, but, you know, that that's what I wanted to begin with. So the idea that there is a God and God is good and God loves you is something that I I really cling to. I think what I would change it or what's missing in it hmm. is possibly an element of perhaps what we talk about, the collaboration, or I think that is there a bit, but, but, hmm. but you know, I think I would bring that a little bit more in. Hmm. But I think secondly, do you know what I think is missing? I think there's that sense of actually you also have to shift your ass. <laughs> You know, you you also have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Th- there is stuff that you have to do. That it's not always. It's not just about feeling better about yourself in that sense. Yeah. It's a good thing to do, and I think if you feel better about yourself, you'll feel you'll act better towards other people. But I think, I do think maybe the the move towards you know the 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 kind of God of love and all this kind of stuff forgets this side of 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 actually there's a sort of the stuff we have to do. There's a there is a important um, duties. I don't mean that in a kind of terrible way. I just mean there are things. There's still a mission. That, yeah, there is still a mission. Mm. I could yeah. Okay. yeah. And funnily enough, I was speaking about this this morning because I was doing something on the topic of devotion. Um, the topic was devoted to Christ. Although interestingly, when I was given the topic, there was a typo, and so it ended up being devoted to Chris. <laughs> I thought it was good. I, was just to, I wanted to know which Chris was it. Chris Hemsworth? Who was it? You know, uh, um, Chris Ritty, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I could be devoted to him. I think. Um, the, the, the word devotion, though, comes from the Latin word, which means to make a vow, to promise. Mm. And so I began to think about actually what promises have i made to god mm. what's that side of it what's that side of where you hold on to to a vow that you've made where you decide to carry on even though you maybe you don't think about it it may, maybe you don't want to um i i would probably put a bit more in and uh, mm. you know just in terms of that now but maybe not i don't know you know can i can i tell you the line i know this is about you but can i tell you the line that really leapt out to me this time through which is different to other times through was um the different life you say a life of freedom, kindness, hope, courage, honesty, mm. and forgiveness. And then you mentioned about copying Jesus. I mean, and, and it was just striking me. Yeah, you you train in those things. They don't just they don't just happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know. So yeah. and and the idea of putting on freedom, you sort of think freedom is something you just experience, not not sort of intentionally trained for. I was I was just wondering because like certainly hope, uh, courage, and honesty and forgiveness you can train those things, but you don't often don't think about what what would it mean to really start putting on freedom day by day. Yes, and I love those qualities. Yes, I, I suppose what I have in mind by freedom there is not license. It's not that sort of mm. thing to do whatever you want mm. to act in the way whatever you want. It's the idea of being free from uh, unshackled. 
Yeah, unshackled. Yeah, free from worrying what the world thinks or free from chasing what the world wants you to chase or, you know, it, it, it's almost, a, it's liberty, really. It's being yeah. un, let out of prison, at whatever prison you put yourself in or the world has decided to put you in. Mm. That's what I, I think Christ offers us. Yeah. Um, because he came to set the prisoners free. and um, Jesus the liberator. Love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to say? Thank you for sharing of yourself on this episode. I appreciate it. What's fascinating today, Joe, is that I sort of knew we were going to do this. I didn't know any of your questions. Hmm. Um, and as I said, I spoke this morning on it, and I spoke on, one of the things I spoke on was about remembering why you started to follow Jesus in the first place. Hmm. What was it about? You know, like hmm. in relationships, it's very important to remember why did you fall in love in the first place? Why did you, hmm. what did you see in each other? And uh, and so I think there's something there that, that, that on the same day as I was doing that, you know, I come to encounter these questions. I didn't know that was going to happen. Mm. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe it's something I really needed uh, to to do for myself, um, you know, and it's, the divine is sort of prodding me in that way. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. Well, listen, mate, thank you uh, so much for that. Thank you for that, for listening. Uh, all you beloved listeners of us thank thanks for all your kind comments thanks for writing in please keep that going on joe at midfaithcrisis.org of course is the address and um next week we'll we'll have some more of your feedback on that we'd love to know what you think of nick's gospel has he got it right has he got it completely wrong is he just a raving liberal like me now <laughs> please please let us <laughs> well he's not that <laughs> so not so not but we'd love we really would love to hear your your comments so uh, mm. do write into us and we'll be back next week yes and uh, i'll be asking joe similar questions and will you be wearing the same vest i just need to know no don't worry yeah i'll be fully clothed oh, excellent